God is good. Amen. Uh, we have an announcement for chairs. We can, we've added four more chairs this past week, so let's give God praise and honor because he's worthy. And uh, most of you know, but if you're visiting, that we had a goal of 300 chairs. We started in April at $1,000 a chair, and you know, every do dollar matters. So whether it's a dollar, a thousand a chair, whatever, it matters. And uh, we're already at 119,518 came in already. So yes, let's thank God for that. That's just in the few last few months. Uh, so we're just uh, uh, thanking God for the generosity of his people. That's you all. And as you just heard that there's eternal rewards for that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray and we're going to just jump right on to what we have on our hearts here today. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. And I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need to hear today. Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to the people that are here, those that are listening online, uh, watching. Lord, we bless them. We pray your presence right now would just fill right where they're at and you would speak to them. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We welcome those who are on Facebook and online that are watching and those who will be watching this on channel 181 later uh, locally. God bless you. We speak a blessing over your life. Uh, this is the third week in our series, and I'm going to talk to you about the, some of these questions on the hot topics um, <clears throat> about prayer. I don't know if I'll make it to the baptism of the Holy Spirit or tongues, but some questions have come in, uh, and we've been endeavoring to answer them over the last few weeks. Now we have other people speaking here that I've asked uh, to share on certain topics that, that have come in that could probably do a better job than me on that. And so, uh, so moving right along. So James chapter 5, James chapter 5, uh, James 5. Wow, you guys got that working. Awesome. Thank you. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Healed actually means body and soul and in your spirit. Uh, Matthew 6, 6 also says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is, in, who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know what? Last week we talked about water baptism for those that were here. Some of the questions that came up, and I'm just going to say this about water baptism, uh, just a very quick recap. Water baptism is an outward testimony of the inward change in a believer's life. Christian water baptism is an act of obedience. Can we say that? Say an act of obedience to the Lord after salvation. So uh, we don't believe the scriptures teach that, you know, you getting wet or sprinkled or whatever saves you, that it is an act after salvation. Although baptism is closely associated with salvation, it's not a requirement to be saved. But I have something to say about that. And water baptism, those who say water baptism isn't a big deal, because, well, because salvation really doesn't depend upon it. Um, and they say, well, I can be saved without being baptized in water. And it says, yes, yes, I believe that, that that's true. And there's teaching about that. But here's the thing. You cannot be obedient to the commandment of Christ. He commands us to be water baptized. Amen? And, uh, you know, how many know that when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing that Jesus did wasn't set up a 501c3. Come on. He didn't get a mailing list to mass mail the community. He didn't know. The first thing that Jesus did was what? He submitted to water baptism, right? 
And even John goes, man, I need to be baptized. You know, why are you coming? You know, it's like, suffer it to be so, because it was for all righteousness sake. And Jesus went down in the waters of baptism, and he was water baptized. Why? Jesus was modeling water baptism for all of us. He was showing that I'm not too big of a big shot, that I can't be what He got water baptized and showed and modeled that for all of us. So in the waters of baptism, basically by a recap, uh, believers declaring, I confess faith in Christ. Jesus has cleansed my soul from sin, and now I can walk in newness of life and in sanctification. Amen? Uh, there's a number of examples in, in the Bible about it. One of them was Cornelius. He was a Gentile believer. Uh, uh, actually, I should say he was the first Gentile believer, and he was saved before being baptized uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, it talks about that. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, the captain of the Italian band. No, he wasn't a musician. He, had, he was a Roman centurion, and he was over about 100 Roman soldiers, if we study there the background about that. And it says this, that he was, now watch this, he was a, a devout man. This is before his salvation. He was a devout man. He was generous so generous towards the synagogue and the things of God that when the angel showed up, said, hey, I, God has taken notice of your generosity and it's a memorial that's eternal. Amen. So everything you give, sacrifice, is an eternal memorial. And this guy wasn't even born again at this time. He was just a consecrated man that loved the Lord. He was a praying man, a praying man and and, and here's the thing, all these acts, religious acts of consecration, he was focused to the true and living God. They were noticed by God, but he still needed to repent. He needed to be saved and he needed to be water baptized. I may see that say amen. And that's what happened in Acts 10, 46, which after it happened, they were saved and they were filled with the spirit and they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 2, outside of the 120, here is this guy praying in tongues, a Roman centurion, pretty tough guy, okay? Probably, I mean, I go so far to say, as a Roman, had to fight in battles, and bad things happened. How many hear what I'm trying to say? This guy was filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. It says it in the Bible. How many with me say amen? Thank you, sister, amen. And so, and so we see that that even amazed Peter. He was amazed, like, wow. This same thing happened to us. And now it's happened to this Gentile. And, and so uh, God moved in a tremendous way. And so the evidence of their salvation was the reason Peter allowed them to be baptized. And listen, countless passages of Scripture clearly teach that salvation comes when one believes in the gospel, at which time he or she is sealed, as the Bible said in Ephesians 1.13, in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. But once that happens in your life, your next response is to be water baptized. How many see that? Say amen. Yeah. All right, let me move on. About prayer, prayer. Some questions that came in is like, why ask others to pray for you? And it was emphasis on altar ministry. Great question. And another one is, why is not talking to God enough for yourself? Just, just you personally. <clears throat> Here's the thing. It is in prayer that we change our natural strength for the supernatural strength of God. It, I'm going to say that again. It is in prayer that we change our natural human strength for the supernatural strength of God. How many know that God certainly wants us to bring our concerns to him privately? Absolutely. But here's a verse here, Matthew 6, 
uh, 6 says, but when you pray, somebody shout when. When does it mean just for ladies? Thank you for that one amen. When means men. It doesn't say but when ladies pray. Come on, I know I'm meddling right now with the guys, but some, you know, think, well, that prayer stuff, I don't get that. You know, that's for women, and, 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 you know, so I'll just be a hard worker around the church, which is good, but God wants men to pray. Men to pray. Just throwing that out there, just food for thought for you guys. But when you pray, expecting that we are all to pray, go into your room. You know, there's a whole message on where's your room? Where's your room? What do you mean, Pastor Mike? We all should have a room of prayer. Well, I pray in my car. That's your room. Well, I like the nature. I like to be out sitting on a stump somewhere. That's your room. We all should have a room to pray. We should have a place where we commune with the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Some of you are looking at me like deer in the headlights at night. What is he telling? We all should have a room. (laughs) It says Go into your room. And I mean, I physically, I would build rooms. I would, every house, I would have a room. It was my prayer room. I needed that creature of habit. It was my place. I have one now. I didn't actually have a room. It's actually under the steps. It's a beautiful little room. I like it. It's only about this wide, but that's my room. Where's your room? Just think, think about that. It's like, uh, I don't have one. God has encouraged you. You can get a room. I said, you can get a room. Amen. Go into your room, close the door, well, there it is, and pray. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you openly. There is a reward for believers who bite on to prayer, people who embrace prayer. So there is a reward for that. How many with me say amen? So, but the Bible also encourages us to pray for each other. So yes, there's this private prayer and we seek the Lord and we study and, and it's also important that we ask for others to pray for us. Paul, for an example, repeatedly asked people to pray for him, his co-workers as they sought to tell others about the new life that they could have in Christ. And we see in 2 Corinthians 1.11. 2 Corinthians 1.11 talks about that. He says this to the church of Corinth. And then I have another verse here in Thessalonica. He wrote, he said, watch this, while you join in helping us by your prayers. Do you see that? Uh, another translation says it this way. You are helping us by your prayers. Did you? This is why we have others pray for us, because it's biblical, and you need that. I need that. Your pastor needs your prayers. Uh, your pastor needs your prayers more than ever in this building season, okay? I need your prayers. But you, you know, and you need my prayers, amen? And people text, they say, and they ask for prayer, and we pray for them. We pray for them. Finally, brothers, pray for us. First, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 says that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. Maybe, perhaps, if the message isn't spreading rapidly, not many believers are praying. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Amen. You know, here's the thing. Prayer is more than just an emoji hand going up. Come on. Oh, I need prayer. There you go. Let me go on. Some of you laugh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. God bless you. There goes that little. I prayed. Uh, that's, prayer is more than that. <laughs> it may be a, 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 alerting the person that you're, you, you are going to pray for them, but a prayer hand emoji is not prayer. <laughs> Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. <laughs> uh, what, am I, what am I trying to say? There is a substance to prayer. 
There is, a, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? See this pulpit, that there, it, there's substance to it, something we can, we can handle. There's, there's substance, the stage where you're sitting, your chair, there's a substance to prayer. See, this is where a lot of believers don't pray because they don't get what I'm about to say. And I believe this. I started this church on prayer. prayer this church was started on prayer and fasting. Went into 10 days of prayer and fasting. Started in 1999. Why? I believe so much that unless I have a word from God, I can try to start a church, but it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. But when God says to do it and he gives you a word, then it'll happen. So all the difficult times and the times of drought and seasons, you'll make it through that because God told you. Amen? How many still with me? Say amen. Yeah. And so substance to prayer. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? Our prayers, your prayers, your prayers actually release the power of the Holy Spirit from us to accomplish things. Do I need to say that again? Your prayers actually release God's power in his presence, the Holy Spirit, to accomplish things in that situation. See, if you think that prayer is just something opening up from heaven and dropping down, but then it didn't happen, you're not gonna pray. Because why? A lot of people get discouraged. They discourage in prayer. And you know what? It, there's things we've prayed about and sought the Lord about, and it, it did not have the desired end that I wanted to see. You know what? When I get to heaven, I'll have the answer, okay? But at this point, I need to continue to pray. I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because I don't understand something in my limited understanding here on earth. When it is, there's ample teaching in the scripture about prayer. How many remember Daniel in the Old Testament? Daniel prayed, and he read the prophetic word. God said he was gonna do something, so he prayed. So he just doesn't shout hallelujah, praise God for this prophetic word that's gone forth and get excited about it and tell everybody at church he prays. Why does he pray? Because he knew he needed to release substance in the realm of the spirit. He needed to see that Prophetic word come to pass, and so he prayed on behalf. And what happens? 21 days, he has all this opposition. The angel of the Lord shows up, and what does the angel say? He says, the first day you started to pray, I came in response to you. God hears you when you pray. Why did it take 21 days? The prince of Persia, demonic opposition. A lot of times in our prayer walk, that there's demonic opposition that the enemy fights the kingdom of God. If you don't think so, ask Jesus when he walked this earth. Was his walk fought by the enemy every step of the way? He'd be in a synagogue. Somebody starts manifesting and screaming. Well, I thought devils were scared of him and they fleed from him. They were right where he was at, wondering what is he doing? And that's just like the enemy in our life. I don't know why I'm on this, but someone needs to hear it. You need to understand that our prayers release things in the realm of the spirit that we're praying about. Uh, the Bible says Elijah, he was, a, he was a righteous man, prayed that it rained, and it would rain, then it didn't rain, it didn't rain, kind of like we're at right now in a drought. But the Bible says that when it came time for him to pray for rain, he had his servant go forth and look on the cliff and said, show me and tell me, bring me word back if there's rain. And he got in the position, like an intercessor, giving birth, and he's praying. Seven times his servant had to come and go, nope, I don't see anything. What you're doing doesn't seem like it's doing anything. But he persisted. Why did he persist? God's reluctant. He don't want to answer your prayer. He's a reluctant God. He just wants you to suffer, to pray, just, just to do that religious duty. See, if you just do that religious duty, then that's what he's looking for. No, my brothers and sisters, God wants us to have answers to our prayers. I said he wants to have answers to your prayers. But a lot of times we have drive-through McDonald's, 
Burger King. Come on, somebody, Culver's Prayers. We come in and say, I like a frosty chocolate with some fries. Oh, can we get some cheese curds with that? We pull around and where's my order? We got to, per- come on, somebody, we got to persevere in prayer. Why? Because what we're doing is we're driving back forces of darkness. We're driving back the enemy that's right there that doesn't want to see the kingdom of God established in your life, in your family, in this community, does not want to see it. He fought Jesus every step of the way, every step of the way that they built the temple in the Old Testament. The enemy fought them. The moment they started with a trowel in the hand, the enemies woke up and go, what's going on? Why are they building that foundation? Wrote letters to kings. They fought them every step of the way. This is why Christians, especially up in this area, a lot of them don't pray because God's sovereign. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. Kesarasara, Doris Day. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. And then no need to pray because you're not going to change anything. Whatever is to be is to be. That's a lie. That's a lie. Somebody needs to wake up here this morning. I said, that's a lie. Your prayers matter. I thank God we have a praying church. I thank God when Saturday we call for prayer, people come out, people pray, they walk. Why? They understand this principle about prayer. They understand that they are releasing the purposes of God and the kingdom of God. See, prayer is not just always a black and white yes or no thing. It's not. It is a perseverance. That's why Jesus said we need to persevere in prayer. Persevere. It isn't that God's reluctant that we have a real enemy that we're up against. How many see that? Say amen or oh me. How many? Jesus even did it. Jesus prays. Okay, you think, well, every time, you know what? Whenever Jesus did something, the moment he did that, it was instantaneous. Not so. There was a blind man. And what does Jesus do? He lays hands on him. I think the verse, what did I have here? Uh, In John here. Oh, excuse me, Mark 8, 24 and 25. He has this blind man. He lays hands on him and he says, what do you see? He goes, I see men. They're kind of like trees. In other words, I'm not totally healed. Whatever you did took me out of blindness temporarily or whatever in the moment. And I can't see clearly, but I see partially. What's up with that? I mean, this is Jesus. This is the son of God. What, he just doesn't have enough power in that moment? What, what does Jesus do again? I don't know, forget it. This prayer stuff doesn't even work. Guy walks around half blind the rest of his life. No, he lays hands again on him. Why? He's releasing. He is releasing in that moment. And the guy goes, I can see clearly. What is that saying? There's power that is released through your life when you pray. Well, big things need big prayers and need a lot of people. Amen? That's why we need to be praying in America, because America needs a lot of prayer, because the communism and Marxism wants to t- is, is taking over in many segments of our is, okay? And so, so the enemy has been at work, but we need to be a nation that prays, that get back and believe, and not, oh, God, help us, you know? I don't know. Something's just going to happen in our country. There's nothing we can do. No, we need to pray, and the people that have wicked agendas need to be prayed out of office out of those offices that are contrary to the things of God. Just thought I'd say that here this morning. Why? I don't want them ruling. Not on our watch. Come on, amen. Not on your watch. Are we going to be the people who get to heaven? It's like, I didn't know what to do, God. Yeah, I just didn't know what to do. Well, they took over rampant your schools, critical race theory, teaching all of this stuff, causing people to hate one another. Are we, I didn't know what to do, God. Did you pray? Oh, wow, I'm a, it's a little bit more fiery here this morning. I think it's because of you. You all are pulling this out of me. That's what you're doing. We're a little bit quieter here this morning. It's a little bit more awake, the second service. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Where am I at? Oh, God commands us to pray for others, to carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6.2. So that's why we do it. That's why we have people come forward. We have them lay hands on each other. Why? Because it is biblical. Please don't assume the power of God flows only from God's heavenly throne. No, the Bible says that he is enthroned in us. Do you know what that means, enthroned in us? 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That word temple in the Greek is naos. It actually means the holy of holies. Do you understand what that means, holy of holy? What is that supposed to mean? You, when you become born again and you have new life in Christ, you are actually born again, you are saved. The Spirit of God comes and lives within you. You now become the Naos, the temple, the Holy of Holies. In the Old Testament, that part, there was the outer court, inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies that a priest went once a year. He had to be washed. He had to be anointed. He had to go through all this liturgical things. And some say that they had a rope on his ankle that they went in because if he died, he had sin, they'd pull him out. I don't know how true it is, but some talk about legend of that. And he had bells around. The bells would make noise. They know the priest is still alive. And they went once a year into that Holy of Holies and had a sacrifice. Now, after the crucifixion of cross and the resurrection of Christ, that's done away with. Now God lives within you. Hallelujah. You are the holy. You are the holy of holies. Wow. The Niles. You are the righteousness of God. Somebody say amen. Do you see the importance of prayer? It isn't just a hit and miss. Like it didn't happen. Your words matter. And here's the thing. The word diabolos actually means like a ball, throwing a ball against a wall. How many have ever done that? You had nothing to do. Throw the ball, clunk against the wall. That's the meaning of Satan. When you hear the word Satan, what? It's a ball throwing against the wall. What it just, you throw it and it comes back and hits you. You throw it and comes back. That's the enemy. That's the mode of operation to fight, to fight, to fight, to resist, to resist, to resist. If he did it to Jesus, he's definitely going to do it to you. He's definitely going to do it to me. The things we have breakthrough in are the things we pray through. That's just, that's a, you can quote me on that one because that just came out of my spirit. The breakthrough comes from what we prayed through. Amen? And, and if there's no area in that, yeah, there's some things I have questions about. I didn't have answers for. I don't understand. When I get to heaven, it's like, Lord, this didn't make sense to me. I'll know then. But you know what? I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? I trust the Lord. I know prayers in the word of God, and I'm going to still follow what he says. Can you say amen? So God promised to hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. I got worked up there because I really believe it. I believe in it. And I'm passionate about prayer because, yes, amen, it's true. The Bible says in 1 John 5.14, 1 John 5.14, it says this. This is the confidence. Somebody shout confidence. We have an approaching God. God wants you to have confidence as you approach him. But I don't have that. What steals your confidence? Sin. Just awfully got quiet here in this full gospel church. <laughs> Sin steals our confidence. You know, condemnation steals our confidence. And, you know, lies of the enemy. And, you know, you should know better. You would ever listen. If you fall, fall forward. Get back up. Repent. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. Just say, Lord, wash me. Cleanse me. I draw near to you. I'm going to trust you. In this season, I'm going to come out of this. And, and God's going to help you as you seek help. Amen. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The first thing you need to know is God always hears the heart cry of his people through prayer. Always. The question is, are you praying according to his will? Oh, Lord, I pray that woman leaves, that, that nasty husband of hers, he's not a Christian. Lord, I just pray they get divorced. Uh, that's not the will of God. 
uh, come on, right? They're married. They're in covenant. Amen? Right? Come on. Just follow with me in this. You know, you got to pray according to the will of the Lord. And sometimes our prayers are not according to his will. He don't hear it. But he, he, he hears the prayer, but he's not going to answer that. Come on. We got to pray according to his will. Well, what is his will? His will is his word. His will is his word. Amen. So you got a word on that? You got his will. And so we see that this is possible. Anything according to his will. Jesus Christ has bridged the gap between God and us and by becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. So let's not let pride or whatever it may be, anything else, keep us from asking others to pray for us. Because God is pleased when his people unite in prayer. And don't forget to pray for those who need your prayers, who need your prayers, whether they ask for them or not. Why? Here's the thing. Those that are sick need more than our pity. They need our prayers. Now, right? Those with faults need more than our condemnation. They need our intercession. And I'm just going to throw this up here. I thought this was, this, this spoke to me here about this quote here. When we depend on prayer, when we depend on prayer, we get what God can do. When we depend on prayer, we get what God can do. Maybe you can pull that up. How many know that our homes need what God can do? Right? Our homes need what God can do. Our children need what God can do. Our businesses need what God can do. Our churches need what God can do. And what America needs is not what education or organization can do, but what America needs is what God can do in our nation. That's what we need. James 5, 16 uh, another powerful verse says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. It is powerful and effective. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? The problem is we want to conceal our faults rather than confess them. Amen. We want to. I mean, all the, we have hum, that human nature that, you know, we take off of the cross. We, we just, we want to hide. And, and historically, great revivals are marked by the confession of sin, not, not only to God, but watch this, to one another. And someone once said that where God's people are broken, God seems to move. I'm going to say that again. When God's people are truly broken, God seems to move in the midst of that situation. And a, a classic example in Old Testament would have been Nineveh. We know the story of Nineveh. When I talk about Nineveh, the first thing that comes to all of our minds is what? Jonah and the fish. And we studied Jonah and the whale. Could it happen? Actually, a number of people have been swallowed by whales and lived a day and a half and spit back out. They were traumatized, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think I would be. <laughs> it's never the same <laughs> after that. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's happened. So regardless, you know, there is a fact about that. But, but we talk about, you know, we talk about the main point. We think it's, you know, the fish and being swallowed, or, you know, and he runs and flees. No, the main part wasn't the great storm or the great fish or the great, the gourd that grew up, the plant, you know, so quickly. And no, but the mighty revival that happened when he went in obedience to God after he fled. You know, that's a problem, I think, with a lot of preachers today. And I get it. Preachers, when they hear they need to preach a hard word, how many know that you need positive things spoken to you, come on, and you need some negative things. Come on now, all right, because it's like a battery. You can't just charge and jump start a battery with two positives. Yo, you got that positive and negative, and that thing will start. Why? Because we need to hear the law of God, the truth of God's word, the commandments of God. Those are good. They're not done away with. Those are not done away. The Ten Commandments are still in act. 
Well, praise the Lord, I only follow, love God with all my heart and love my neighbor. If you do that, you will fulfill all the Ten Commandments. So <laughs> you will, you won't steal, you won't lie, you know, you won't do these things. How many still with me say amen? But Nineveh, let me get a stay on track here. There was a mighty revival. And a lot of times, you know, pastors, they don't want to speak the negative. They only want positive things spoken. Yeah, thank you. They only want positive things spoken. Only, only good things. Listen, I don't like getting up here in the natural, you know, and just going like, wow, this is a hard, heavy thing to say. This is a weighty thing to say. Who am I? I say it with fear and trepidation. But you know what? I'm going to be held accountable for telling the truth. That's a heavy burden, and, and, and I'm not going to be silent about it and just say, I'm just going to talk about the love, joy, and peace only. I'm going to speak the truth. Listen, if you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you are a fornicator. I don't mean that mean. I don't mean that ugly. I'm just telling you the facts are the facts. Some people just woke right up and looked at me right here this morning. Hallelujah. I'm not folk. I don't know anything about anything, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, there's times we need to hear both. We need to hear the full counsel of God when we're preaching, and preachers not afraid to speak the truth. But he was afraid because he heard what God told him to do. What did he do? He ran and he hid. He's like, no, I'm not. He didn't like them anyways, the Ninevites. They were wicked. They were nasty. They were beyond nasty. They were so wicked and evil, he wanted God to judge them. But it's like a lot of times with preachers. Finally, when he came to his senses, and after three days and three nights, he came out of that well. He's like, okay, I'm going to go. And he preached. And you know what happened? Revival. Like they changed. They fasted in sackcloth, and they cried out to God, and the country was spared. That's the story of Nineveh. Okay, that's the story. So where God's people are broken, God seems to move. So when we confess our faults, this is what takes place, because I'm going to kind of end with this here. But you need to understand about when we talk about confessing to one another. There is restoration, healing of the soul and spirit. And when there's been, been a broken in the barrier, there's a healing that can take place in your spirit. You know, so many believers walk around, and they don't confess before the Lord, and they carry these sins. You know what? Here's the thing on their forehead when you see them. It's the word defeat. Defeat. Here I come again. It's bad. Life's this, this, you know. Everything is negative. Oh, you know, this is going wrong with me, Pastor. That's going wrong with me. Business is bad. You know, this is bad. That's bad. Yeah. Where's the victory in your life? Now, listen, we all have bad days. And then some days I'm going to need you to speak into my life to encourage me, to lift me up, all right? Because it's heavy weights that I got to lift. But I need the help of the body of Christ. But come on, we don't want defeat on our forehead. Come on. You don't want that, that I am Mr. and Mrs. Defeat. I walk around defeat all the time. No, God wants us to be overcomers. Amen. Amen? That's what he's called us, to be overcomers. Hallelujah. So there's restoration. The second thing, there's, there's reconciliation. When a wrong is done, there can be no reconciliation until there's confession. And then the third thing, uh, I'll use the word revival. Revival happens when we repent and confess our faults and, uh, and, and we get right with God. Here's the thing. James does not say that we are to broadcast our faults or display our faults. That's not what he's saying. How many know we need to be careful because the devil will use anything to his advantage, even confession? He will. Jesus warned in Matthew 7, 6 about casting our pearls before swine. Right? And so if we can make this work, in this next slide, important slide, it says the circle of confession needs to follow the circle of sin. Did you get that? The circle of confession 
needs to follow the circle of sin. What does that mean? Number one, private sin means private confession. Uh, Let me elaborate. It's between you and the Lord. Nobody else needs to hear that. Thank God for that. (laughs) I said, thank God for that. Come on, don't look at me like, I don't know what he's talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Private sin. Maybe you in a trusted prayer war. Some of that's either as spiritual as you or more spiritual. All right. Yeah, I, I remember the 1985 movies, movie uh, scene, The Goonies. Uh, come on now, The Goonies. And Chunk, he confesses to the Fratellis, and he goes, you know, when I was 12, and he starts this whole litany, and he goes, no, that's not what we're talking about here. When we talk about, it's between you and Jesus, amen? And that's okay. Second, personal sin needs personal confession. If you have sinned against me, or if I have sinned against you, then we need to confess it to one another. We don't talk about it to other people. Amen. It's between you and I. And let it go and move on. Number three, public sin means public confession. If we publicly dishonor the Lord, then we need to publicly repent and publicly get right with God. It's not just between you and God only. Why? Even though your heart or our hearts may have changed, how many know those of us around may not know that? And so when there's egregious things that are done, uh, that's why I'm always concerned. And sometimes I like, I have repented publicly. I can't tell you how many times since I've started this church and say, you know what? I didn't mean to say that I was off kilter or I ran a little bit far into this direction. Forgive me, church. And pretty much mostly the church is forgiving. The people that left weren't forgiving. <laughs> So, uh, but, but people, people forgive me. They give you, they understand. They know you didn't mean that. I mean, one time I was, I said something in my word stumble. I mean, no, that can happen if you do that week in and week out, especially now that you have two services. And I said that the devil has all the power and God doesn't. I didn't mean it that way. Some person was mad. You said the devil. I'm like, dear God, cut me some slack. Come on. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy on our souls. Amen. So. Um, just a few moments here. Let me just say this. Uh, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. What does this mean? Another question. Why do we say people get to be filled with the Spirit, uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues? And, um, you know, let me just say this. There's a difference between the infilling or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. I don't apologize for that spiritual gift. I believe it's available to all. Uh, I do not not talk about it because I don't want to offend any people. Listen, I'm spirit-filled and I pray in tongues. And I thank God I pray in tongues. I am not better than someone that does not. I understand that. I recognize that, okay? So, well, do we have to? No, you get to. <laughs> you know? I was like, well, I don't want it. Okay. But you're going to be around and people in the circle that are praying in tongues. And you're like, well, I don't want this gift. And after a while... What does this get to bow? Does this, for me, you'll slip, slip down the slope. Amen? That's what happens. You'll just slip down the slope. But, but uh, in all seriousness, there's a difference between that, the spirit within and the spirit upon. All right? Lengthy teachings I've done. Uh, I've given it to Angie Johnson. There's a series I've done on the beauty of spiritual language. All MP3s, you can have it free. I've done one on praying in tongues. I've done it on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And periodically through the years, 
I have taught and continue to teach on it. I'm talking on it now. I believe that there is a, a blessing in that for all who desire it. And I would encourage you to pursue uh, being filled with the Spirit in that. But there's teaching that is out there to help you. I don't have time to get in all of it for the little bit of time that we have left. But you can see Angie. She will give that all to you. It can be on a memory stick or whatever, or we'll upload it and we'll get it on for the webpage. And some of this teaching goes back to businessmen and women back in 2005. They're in this church and some moved to heaven and, uh, and, and, and how God filled them with the presence of God and they spoke in tongues. Very powerful, powerful teaching. That's for you. That's av available for you. Amen. Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. Somebody shout stupidity. <laughs> I just thought I like this translation. <laughs> That's the amplified. I, I, you know, someone says, you know, it's foolishness. I like stupidity in that. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. It actually means a constant. It's not a one-time thing. That's why we need church. I said, that's why we need worship. Come on. That's why we need praise. It's something that's constant. It's a filling. The constantly guided by him. There's constant in fillings. Be filled with the Spirit. Fill with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you fill with the Spirit, it's like, what does that mean? Talk about people getting filled with the Spirit. Fill with the Spirit. You have victory over sin. Does that mean you don't, you know, you don't get uh, stung once in a while by the enemy? No, no. But there's a, there's, a, there's a pattern of victory over your life. There are times we stumble and we fall. There's times we stumble and we fall deliberately. But we get back up. I said we get back up. Amen? Almost done here. We get back up. It entails submission and humility. We talk about being filled with the Spirit. Humility towards others. It means the Holy Spirit rules in your life. He takes control over us. We allow him to take control. I don't always, I'll admit that, allow the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I let my mind, I'll let emotions. Come on, somebody, I'll let my flesh take control. So I don't always do that. But what I do is I try to I have an alignment and say, you know what, let me walk circumspect. Lord, forgive me. Take control, take control. So the New Testament Christians, just a few more moments here, considered speaking in tongues or as uh, uh, they would say, a God-given sign accompanying the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two, verse three and four. Acts chapter two, verse three and four. Says this, then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the term. That's why we use that term here. Talk about fill with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just say, I believe this pattern for Spirit-filled life is still valid and available today. It is not done away with just because some uh, legalistic commentator says it's done away with, <clears throat> or you read it in a book, or somebody that's anti-charismatic or whatever, doesn't matter. There are 700 million believers across the world that are spirit-filled, Pentecostal, and the fastest growing churches in the world, maybe outside of America, but in the world, are Pentecostal, full gospel churches. That's a fact. Just throwing that out there. That doesn't mean all those other churches are any less than, but here's the thing. I'm a better Christian because of it. Me, personally, okay? I'm not making a judgment, condescending or anything. You are my brother. You are my sister. We worship together. We die. We'll go to heaven. But here's the thing. In the Marine Corps, they gave me certain armaments. There was a time when you're a Lance Corporal, you couldn't have a pistol. But when you come an NCO, a non-commissioned officer, you could get a sidearm. 
When it came time and I was an NCO, I didn't go, I don't want that weapon. There's more weight for me to carry along. How dumb would that be? Come on, we're talking about combat, all right? When they gave me a first aid kit, well, stupid thing. I don't want this first aid kit. What, a water container? I don't need this water sloshing around. I took everything they gave me. Stand with me if you would, please. Everything they gave me, why? You're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. I said, you're gonna need it, amen? Every head bowed, please. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, an inspired utterance whereby believers speak in a language they have never learned. We'll talk more about that next time as we answer, finish answering some of those questions. But with every head bowed here this morning, as a pastor, maybe online here, he says, you know what, I, I've fallen away. I'm not right with the Lord. I know pretty much most everybody in here, but perhaps maybe there's someone, you've not, you've not surrendered your life to God. You're not born again, as the scripture says. You're not saved, as you may have heard the term. You've prayed prayers, but you don't have that assurance of salvation. The Bible says God wants you to be assured. And teenagers, this is for you too. Young kids, even this morning, this is for you. You're not too young. You have understanding between right and wrong. You know, you're at an age of accountability. You can, you can make this choice. You can make this decision. And God will meet you at your point of crying out. You're here this morning. You say, you know what? I need to get right with God. Maybe online you're listening and you're far away from God and you know it. You know it. Today is a great day. Today is a day, as 2 Corinthians 6 says, the day of salvation for you. What do you need to do? You need to repent. You need to confess Christ. You need to receive him in your life. And you make a determination to live for Jesus. If you would like to do that, if you've never done that, surrendered your life to Christ, I would ask you to pray corporately, but pray with us as we pray together. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross from my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that really for the first time and you understood, you surrendered your life to Christ, He has come and is residing within you, the Bible says. 